Hey, good morning. It's uh, 6 December, and welcome to the Christmas Tree Farming Podcast, uh, located here in central Kentucky. Uh, it's only been a few weeks since our last podcast, but I wanted to go ahead and get this one out before the holiday season kind of really kicks off for us. I know a lot of you guys that might listen are fully engaged with uh, selling your U-cuts or your your uh, pre-cut tree lots, and uh, we do not have that right now. As I mentioned previously, we uh, decided not to cut, not to sell pre-cuts last year, and then again this year, just our own opinion. Um, the uh, and our U cuts are just still too small to cut. Uh, <laughs> however, we do still get plenty of phone calls asking if the trees we planted uh, last year will be ready to cut this year. So it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of a funny thing uh, to think about how long it takes for a tree to grow and the expectation uh, from some of the customers, you know, that that a tree might grow in a year or two. Uh, I wish. <clears throat> um, what we've been doing these last three weeks. Uh, last, The last three weeks, most of the work has been, uh, I've been in the high tunnel. I've been transplanting, up, upsizing um, plugs to one gallons and some of the one gallon stuff to the three, to five, three or five gallon. Uh, now, some of this will be for me to plant in the u-cut fields and then some of this is just for uh for resale uh grow them out a couple years and sell them um a lot of the chestnut trees we we do plant some in the in our back part of our farm um every year uh but a significant number of those are up for sale locally typically for people that uh plant those near food plots or just areas they want uh, a really quick growing uh, chestnut tree it's a dunston dunston chestnut variety uh, and then uh, we received some transplants uh, we well for fall we, we've planted several uh, transplants some were the, some were our, probably our last canine that we're going to plant uh, and then most recent I've been planting my from my stock of one gallon Nordman fir that I had one gallon, and then uh, also we had some three ones Nordmans delivered uh, transplants. Uh, for those not familiar, uh, the Nordman and the Turkish fir kind of really closely related. I think they're they're considered kind of the same thing—a Caucasian fir, maybe. Uh, they both grow probably if you look at my field that I have rows currently planted at the Canaan and you look at the Nordman of, of equal age the Nordman are at least an entire world shorter or a leader shorter than the Canaan the, the Canaan that are thriving uh, I would I, I've, I haven't grown any out long enough to have a full you know knowledge of how they grow on my property as it stands right now if they were to keep the same growth i would say they grow nearly 40 percent slower hopefully though and what i've been told is they start off 40 to 50 percent slower but then after 
basically year four in the ground, they grow at the same clip as the canane. So you really only, it just takes a few, three, four years for them to really get their roots established before they still, they start putting off that foot long, nine inches to a foot of leader every year. So I'm hoping that's the case, but any event, um, that's the trees that we're planting the most of now is Nordman and, and Turkish. And, uh, we do, we do still plant, you know, Norway's and Colorado blue spruce, uh, for landscape might open up some of the Colorado blue spruce for, for you cut, uh, primarily for me. Cause I really like them. Uh, if you get the baby blue, I'm not sure what the species or anything, but if I grow from seed, if I grow from seed a hundred, I might get 30 or 40 that are exceptionally blue. And I, I just call them the really blue variety. Um, they grow really well here. They're really prickly though, as a, as a, as a cut tree, but as far as how they look, uh, I like them. Uh, uh, if you grow one out, it may not be your primary tree. You know, if you're a Christmas tree farmer, maybe you, you're, you're like us and maybe you have two different trees. Uh, we would do a blue spruce, uh, that is not, not decorated as much, but just as a, as a secondary tree for looks and has some decorations and stuff on it. They just look, in my opinion, they look really, really good. Um, but don't touch them. <laughs> uh, needle retention still better than like a Norway or something. Needle retention is not great, but if you're not beating and banging on it, hanging ornaments on it, it actually does, it does really well. Um, so we we did get those. I think we ordered three hundred transplants, three ones, uh, those Nordmans, and I, as I said, we planted probably two hundred out of our greenhouse. So we probably put in about five hundred additional Nordman uh, in this year into that field, that new field that we opened up. Uh, that ground is probably some of my better ground the only thing is about 30 percent of that ground is it starts to go downhill it's a it's a southern facing hillside but it goes downhill behind a pond bank uh like what it's like way behind it but still it goes downhill behind the pond bank that little piece that goes down is a low-lying area and it's a and it's definitely a fog pocket and my concern will be on those Nordman, Nordman not as much, but if I would have put Turkish in there, um, that Turkish are early, a little bit early bloomers. Like, I don't remember if you guys, um, were listening and when we first got the high tunnel built, I could actually see, it was easier for me to gauge like which species, uh, is blooming when, because I had them all side by side. And they now inside the high tunnel, of course, they bloom earlier because it's, it's kind of a microclimate. A little bit, it warms up in there quicker during the day, so they're getting more of them plus 60, 70 degree days. But the Turkish went first, then the Nordman, then the Canaan seed that we had. Uh, but some of the Canaans were at the same time as the Turkish. So uh, the Turkish and the Canaan are opening up before the Nordman. Turkish being first by almost a week. So I. Uh, a week to 10 days. So I would, uh, I would be fearful of planting Turkish into a frost pocket because odds are, if you're going to get a, a, 
a cold snap like that in the spring once they've already started budding out that's where i would get it so i i actually wanted to plant turkish there but we ended up just planting nordman uh to, because of that spot because of that we didn't want the frost pocket to end up burning 50 of them or whatever lies down in that would be like 20 40 60 it'd be close to a, probably almost 100 that would lie, uh, be down there in that area um so we got all those planted uh planting method you know as we do here uh is with a spade or a an auger uh, i use the auger for all the uh the one gallon stuff that we plant and then i use a spade for all of the the bare root stuff that we got like these transplants for bare root um, now we work the ground so i have a a tiller that we use you know what we subsoil the rows typically subsoil the rows um in late summer really good right spray right over the subsoil area right to kill it off and then we let that sit all of fall all of late summer fall winter and spring and then we we till that in right and then it's re usually just bare earth right it's bare earth and now you've got kind of a uh a good a better i guess planting surface there for for planting in now the stuff that we did this fall i had subsoiled and we had sprayed but it didn't have the whole year to kind of die off because we we go back through in early spring and hit it again it didn't have a whole year to die off so the I still had a considerable amount of uh, sod there that was dead, but it wasn't gone dead. Like it wasn't like dust dead. It was still kind of, you know, thatchy. So when I tilled, I tilled this half acre area uh, probably three times down these rows. I tilled it once and then we waited a week and then I tilled it again and we waited a week and then I just did the planting this past week. Um, and I tilled it again. Uh, it's kind of three times the work. If you have the time, you only have to do that once, right? You 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 subsoil, you spray, let it completely die off, spray it again in the spring, and then and then I hit the tiller, uh, and then we plant. Uh, I like to have a, the tiller is only four feet wide. It's a little wider than I'd like. I would like to have like a three foot tiller, but. Uh, We'll use a four-foot tiller, go through the rows, and I basically, I align everything off of the subsoiled row, and then after we till everything, I align everything off tractor tires, right? So it's really not very uh, scientific, but it works for me. My, my methodology is basically uh, my row spacing is my tractor spacing because the, the majority of the mowing that I do that I like to do is we spray the rows down both sides and then that leaves the middle section that i can hit with the brush hog right it's a i've got a five foot uh five foot or six foot brush hog that goes through there but ultimately the brush hog is the exact same width of my tractor so on my rows uh i drive down i drive down the rows and after it's been tilled and i imprint on both sides of the row my tractor tires so that gives me my whole tractor and plus a foot or so on each side to to mow now 
obviously that only works for like the first three or four years. Once the once the trees start to actually come out like a foot or two, then I'll have to only mow with my uh, my smaller mower or uh, the side by side or whatever the pull mower, something a little bit smaller. But for getting it established and spraying and mowing, it just makes it so much easier. Uh, wide spacing, giving up some rows uh, for 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 equipment, basically giving up some space for trees, just so it makes it easy on the equipment. Um, I think we talked about it. I'm just going through now and doing inventory on trees that I'm pretty sure aren't going to make it. Uh, I've replaced some that I was 100% sure weren't going to make it. Um, we still have, I'd say, 10 or 15% of what we've gotten planted over the past two years. Maybe not that many, maybe 5% that are transplant shocked, still drought shocked. And I just, I'm going to give them through the spring this year. They don't look great. They're kind of marginal looking. I'm going to give them through the spring this year because I popped a couple buds on them and some of them still have some green buds. Um, so my thought is maybe the transplant shot obviously has killed off the existing needles, but maybe there's enough vigor in there to do go this spring and recover from it. Uh, I've seen it happen, so I'm hesitant to pull out like a nice large you know, a two foot tree or a foot and a half tree, 18 inch tree. If there's a chance it might survive. So that's, that's what I'm doing now. I'm doing inventory. Uh, so I'll know exactly what, what to check in spring once bud starts breaking. And it, when we plant in the spring, those will be the first ones up to get replaced. If they're in a field that is I can plant something that's of, of near similar size, right? I wouldn't, if I had a four year, if I had a four year old in ground field, I wouldn't, you know, put a, put a transplant in there, a two one or something, because it would be so far behind that tree would be significantly smaller than all the other trees when it's time to cut. But if I can put one in there, that's only off by like a year, then that'd be fine. Anyways, I hope everybody has a good holiday season. Um, Merry Christmas to everybody. And in January sometime, we'll have another podcast up, hopefully with some news about how things are wintering in the high tunnel. And that's it. See you guys next time. Bye.